Thank you for connecting to this podcast for Faith Renewed. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. You got a Bible? Go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Love this book. Love, love Samuel. This is a cool, cool book, and I hope you've been here. If you have not been with us uh, through this series, we're doing a series right now called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And we're journeying through the Old Testament together. And so we find ourselves today at 2 Samuel chapter 6, talking about a guy named David again. We, I introduced to him last week. But verse 12 says this, And now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obadiah and all that belongs to him. Because of the ark of God. So David went, brought up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah to the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep, and then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Can we practice shouting real quick? Just go ahead and mess with me. Just give give the Lord a shout. Come on. Amen. I don't know what church you've come from. Maybe it's first time in a church, but it's okay to shout in the presence of God and and worship the worship the Lord and uh, get happy and give God praise. We're gonna find that out this morning. There's some powerful things that happen when we understand and grab hold of some truths today. But let's do this. Can we just pray and uh, let's just pray together and uh, just talk to the Lord? And we have been blessed to be able to come together in His house today. So God, we thank you, and Lord, we just give you a. Great praise today, Lord. A, a shout of praise, God, for who you are. Thankful for what you're doing in our lives, God. Thank you for what you're doing at Faith Renewed. And God, I pray, God, you continue to bless us upon this house. And God, today, Lord, you are worthy of all our praise. God, everything that we have, God, Lord, you're worthy of it. God, you deserve it. And Lord, you're the only one who's worthy. And God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor just real quick and just high five and say the greatest stories ever told are being told in this church. Greatest stories ever told are being told in this church because it's the Word of God. Amen? It's the Word of God. And so we learned it last week as we pointed the story of Jesus, as we're seeing Him throughout the Old Testament, we're seeing everything keep pointing back to Jesus, and I love it. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go listen to that message online, a beautiful story, the story of David and how that points to Christ, and um, very cool stuff happening there. But last week, I introduced you to this guy named David, and so pretty known guy in Scripture. Uh, We talked last week about how, as a 15-year-old boy possibly, uh, was called in from the field, uh, called in from tending the sheep, and was anointed as king. We find out that he goes back into uh, the fields and begins to continue to serve his father, continues to serve the sheep, and goes back to work. Then we see where he is called out of the field, He is given food to go take to his brothers that are on the battlefield. And so these guys are there to fight the Philistines. And so he takes the food to to his brothers. And he finds out when he gets there that they're all fearful, teared down, crying, scared, fearful because this giant named Goliath 
was there and the Goliath was cursing their God, challenging all them and challenging them to step onto the field. And he saw something. I love it. David saw that there was a cause bigger than him. And he said, is there not a cause? He said, I'll fight this dude. He steps onto the battlefield. And in the name of the Lord, he takes that uh, sling and that stone, nails the giant between the eyes, man, and he cut his head off. And it was incredible. I love that story. So cool. Go back and listen to it. Very cool stuff. And I love David. And this is what's cool about David. He, he, he did not always make good calls and decisions sometimes. But there's some things about David that are important. Uh, there's some things about him that I like. And I, 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 when we see Scripture, we find out that God liked him too. And we, we actually hear something said about David we don't hear. And he says in, in Acts 16, uh, Acts 13, verse 22, we hear something said about David. It says this, And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, the king being removed, it says that he raised up for them David as a king. I love this. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Come on, ain't that cool? A man after his own heart. There's a lot of debates and a lot of discussions about why he was chosen, why that was said about him. I believe one of the great answers to that uh, question is right there after that, in the next verse after the comma, and it says this, it says that who will do all my will. I think that's very important that doing the will of the Father, man, is, is one of the things that shows that you have a heart towards God. And we saw that about David. But David also, there are some great, very cool things in here that we see. I believe David understood some very key elements when it came to things in Scripture, one of those being praise and one of those being worship. And so this guy who was anointed as king as this kid, we see now after Saul dies, he gets anointed as king of Judah and then ultimately king of Israel. Scripture said he's 30 years old. So we see that 15 years after the initial anointing, he becomes king of Israel. So now as king of Israel, I love what we see in 2 Samuel chapter 5. If you're in chapter 6, flip back one chapter. Verse 1 says this. It says that then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are, are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron and king of David, uh, and king David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Now, this, again, we see this 15 years later how this happens, but we see some stuff about the life of David that I believe are crucial. And I, I want to just throw a few things at you this morning. So if you're taking notes, I love what we see. The first thing God put on my heart, number one today is this, be faithful with what you've been given. Be faithful with what you've been given. I like this about David. This is one of the things that we see about him and the that, that I think is important that we see here, that, that, that 2 Samuel 5 said this, he said that you shall shepherd my people Israel and rule over Israel. 
Now, again, we see that David was the one chosen by God to shepherd his children. I, I, I think it's, it's important that we see something that I believe he was chosen to shepherd Israel because he was faithful shepherding sheep. Now, this is, this is awesome. I, I, I like this here. He shepherded sheep first. And so this is one of the things how the enemy loves to mess with people. He loves to get in their mindset that if you get something great, then you can do something great. If, if you get put in that big position, then you can be something big. Then you can do something really cool. I, I, I like what we see here in Scripture. I think that we see David chose to shepherd Israel because he was faithful shepherding sheep. He was faithful to go back. Matter of fact, we learned last week that David, before he ever took food to his brothers, he made sure that there was someone there to tend the sheep. He was a good steward of what he had been given. He was faithful with what had been placed in his hands. I love this. And we need to be faithful with what God has given us. Don't let the lie of the enemy mess with you and tell you once you get something big, then do something big. Are you faithful with a little? I, I think it's cool that, that people will come to me sometime. We have fun about this. Pastor, you know, I, I'm believing, man, I'm going to win the lottery one day. And I, I talk about this, and I reference, I reference this a lot because I hear this actually a lot. It's amazing how often I hear this, um, that, that people will say, man, you know, hey, if I win to $300 million, get ready. Get ready, Pastor. We go, we go, the check's coming, $30, $30 million. We're going to write the check. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. And I think that's cool. And if you win it, faith renewed. R-E-N-E-W-E-D. God bless you. Come on, somebody. And we'll take it. And, and I think that's awesome. And I, I'm never going to win it because I've never played it. But, but if you win it, do that. But, but ask yourself this question. Listen, have you been faithful with $300? Have you wrote the $30 check? Oh, man, it's going to get quiet up in this Spirit-filled church this morning. Glory to the Holy One. I, I, I come, ha, have you done, have you wrote the $3 check? Some, some of the way, that, that don't mean nothing if I have just this little thing I'm writing to God because all I have is this, you know, something, it's the principle, it's the heart behind it. You know what God looks at? We're seeing it. He looks at the heart. He sees this here. And so this is a principle that we teach. We've taught our kids this since they were kids. And so literally, they get money come in for birthday. You know what they do? They, get, they tithe off their birthday money. Y'all mean parents. Y'all making them give back. No, no, we're teaching them something. They get graduation when they graduate high school. They write, they give it to God. Percentages of that. And we, we just because, again, we see that what God asks of this. And you know what happens? God blesses them. It's amazing the favor that's been on our kids and how he's opened up doors for them for just, just the crazy stuff that happens. And what happens so many times with us, we say this, well, what I have is not much. Listen, what you have, God takes and uses for his glory when you give it to him out of faithfulness. And so we see this principle. David was faithful. He was faithful. Some of you today, listen, you may not be able to do all the stuff David did, dance before the Lord, do all that kind of stuff. I'm finding out the older I'm getting Harder to dance before the Lord. But listen, can't we lift our hands and worship? 
Can we take them out of our pockets? And, 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 and can we just honor the Lord? What can we do? We see Jesus say something here. He says in Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus says this when he's telling the parable of the steward. He says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. God's saying this. And he, listen, we see here that some people get much, but they're unfaithful with it. Listen, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with that? That's one of the things I talk about, man, our time. And, you know, we're living in this fast-paced, crazy time. There's just, like, not enough time in the day. But, you know, something, everybody has the same amount. 24 hours in a day. And I'm one of those guilty a lot of times of saying, man, we don't have enough hours in the day. I and mean, I need to be looking back and saying, man, am I doing the most faithful thing with the hours he's given me? And so look, at what have you done with what God has given you? Are you faithful in that? Don't, don't wait. Don't wait till it's the big thing. Matter of fact, you may get the big thing when you're faithful over little. So again, be faithful what God has given you. As we see David, I believe, ele- elevated, put in the position of king over Israel, shepherding those Israel because he shepherds sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, man, be faithful what he's given you. Man, I love that. That's a great point from the story. Number two, number two, we see something so important. We see here this, that, that we pursue what we praise. We pursue what we praise. One, one of the first things that he does as king, one of the very first things that we see David do as king, one of the first things that we do is he goes to get the Ark of the Covenant to bring it back to the city of David, to bring it back where it belongs, to bring it back home. This is a, this is a big deal, and we, we studied this. I don't have time to do it all, but the Ark of the Covenant, it was representing the manifest presence of God. And so he had this pursuit of God's presence. He had a pursuit for the presence of God so much that he said, we must get him back home. And so he had this desire in this heart. And so what he would do is this. He would praise the very thing that he pursued. And so today, that's an indicator today for our hearts. What we pursue and praise, those things will line up for us. And David did this. He praised God with everything that he had. He held nothing back. We see the picture in verse 14 of chapter 6. It says that David danced before the Lord with all his might, and he was wearing a linen ephod. Now, this is a a picture today of what worship is supposed to look like for us. This is a picture of what praise and worship is for us and what this should look like. We see David here before the Lord dancing and giving everything. This was a victory dance. This is We see in Scripture that, man, he was jumping, he was shouting, he was spinning around, dancing. He was giving everything over to God. And, and, and that's what I think worship is. Worship is when you give God everything. Worship is when you hold nothing back. And so some of us, sometimes we think, man, we're going to come in here, we're going to have a little bit of praise and worship. Pastor's going to preach, I'm going to go home. Understand what's happening right there. It's not just something we're doing before I preach. It's not just something that we're filling time with. It is, it, is, it is for us. Every person who gets the hold of the revelation of God's Word, things begin to change for us. And how should we do it? The way David did it. With everything we have. Now again, our goal is not to be David. God's made you uniquely designed, but there's some things we can learn from Him. And that's to give God everything that we have. And David does that. And I like how he does it. Because now this guy was king. 
He had been elevated, put in the position of king. That means he had the garments to back that up. He had the clothes, the wardrobe. Now he had everything for that. This guy was a king. But you know what David did? David did this. He had the right to sit back, wear his kingly robes, and just let everybody else do the worship for him. But you know what David did? The Bible says that he set aside his kingly garment. And he danced before the Lord in a linen ephod. Now some of you are like, what's the big deal? An ephod was wore by a priest, not a king. It was wore by a priest, not a king, which means this is what worship is. Worship is where you're setting your, your title aside, and like the priest, you're going into his presence, and you're laying down the sacrifice before him of worship. And so David understands this, and I think it's so crucial that he understands, and this is what's, what's important for us. He understood that it wasn't about the king that he was. It was about the king that was in him, and it was about the king that was there. And so he did this. He worshiped the only one who was worthy and this is how this works there's only one king in the room and David saw this here and so he does this he lays down his titles and you know what we should do some of you are like man this not really this is not nah, this ain't a big deal you know what you should do today when you come into God's presence lay your title down lay it down well some of you are like, I don't have that great title yeah yeah, yeah you do have a great title you, you could be son Daughter, mother, father, just whatever the, the occupation, everything that you have. That's, man, God's, that's awesome. God's made you unique, designed you, whatever your gift is, whatever your title, wherever he's placed you. But you know what worship is? When you lay all that aside. And you come into his presence. And this is how this works. Literally, you do this. You make the decision to worship him. Because worship is a decision not a feeling. Worship is a decision, not a feeling. David understood, and it's not about this, this king, it's about that king. He, he, he understood that it's not, not about my name, it's about his name. And, and he, he understood there was something bigger. And this started to him as a kid. Is there not a cause? Is there not something bigger than me? And he let this carry on and go into his life. And so he made this decision. And I wish that we could grab hold of it. And I've been guilty like we've all been guilty. You know what we do? We worship based on how we feel. Not based on who he is. We, we come in here. And then for a lot of us, man, again, I've been there. That's why I can see it. You can too. But if something has gone great that week, man, you know what typically happens, man? You have the tendency to be a little more excited. Come on, hey, come on, ain't it good? Ain't God good? Glory to His holy name. Yes, Jesus. And then the one who hadn't had the good week, they want to smack you and just be like, hey, hey. <laughs> Then we get all churchy and then we all, we're fake. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a great week too. You want to, no, you're not. But listen, that's not worship. Worship is when you made the decision to simply, again, worship Him because of who He is. So, so I don't go off the feeling. I, I don't go off by how I feel. And a matter of fact, I'm going to take it one step further. Not only do you not worship based on how you feel, you do not, you not base and worship Him based on what you feel. It's not even about what happens during the moment. 
It is simply coming before him and giving him what he deserves. And so here, here's a case. Whether you had a good week or bad week, he don't change it. He's on the throne. It, if it was awesome and it was great and you feel like it, it doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change that Jesus got on the cross. And this is what happens for us so many times. We come in here and I, and I, would, I love it because I've done this and I've experienced it for myself. It's when I set my feelings aside and I simply push all that back. And it can happen when I'm in here by myself during the week without a worship team without anybody else here, when I set everything else aside and just begin to honor him, when you take your eyes off of your situation and put it on him, he changes your situation. He changes it. He turns it around. It's what he does for us. And we see this here. And I love that David understood this. So listen, what you pursue and what you praise is two things. Line up. Third final thing is this, and I think this is cool. Number three is this. Don't let anyone stop your praise. Don't let anyone stop your praise. And again, praise for us for being faithful to what we have. What can we do for God? What can we give to Him? What can we serve Him? What can we do? I love what we see David do. He didn't let anything stop him. He didn't let anything come against this and keep him from doing this because we see in verse 16, look what happens. This is wild. Verse 16 says this, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, his wife, looked through a window and saw King David. She looks through the window. She sees her, her husband. She sees David out there leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord, set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and the women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And so all the people departed, everyone to his house. Now he does this. David then, verse 20, returned to bless his household. Ain't this, ain't this how it works sometimes, man? You had a good time in God's presence, and then you go home, and then when you get home, it didn't work out like you thought it was going to work out. That's that'll preach. But it just blesses that he went home to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, basically saying this, it ain't about what you've done, it ain't about nothing else, it's about what he's done, about who he is. And so therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. David 
understood that praise wasn't for anyone else. It was for him. He understood what praise would do. And praise does this. Praise brings humility into our life. It causes us to have to lay pride down. Because David was the most powerful man in Israel. He was the king and he lays every bit of that down. And this is what I think it becomes for us a picture of what worship is. It's it's something happens again. We've laid our title, our name, and we lift up his name. And then he makes the statement that I'm going to become more undignified than this. You know what he's saying? Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought this was crazy? You thought me, me coming before the Lord and shouting and singing and dancing and giving Him praise and word around? It, it's going to get crazier than that. And this is what I think comes for us. It comes a picture of us. You know, some, I, I don't believe you've really, really stepped in good into a level of praise and worship to us a little bit awkward. I'm gonna mess with us today. That, I, that's the, the, I, I don't. I don't think that it, it really to it comes to place. Not when we look at the Bible. Now, so this is what I want us to do: erase everything else that you just kind of think about what worship and praise is. Let's look at the Bible and see what it represents and shows us what it is. This is the picture of it. And so, again, we understand that this worship that we have, worship is where we give worship. What's he worth to us? What we give to him. But we see here in, in the Scripture, in the Bible, of what this passion for his presence produces, and it produces praise in our life. And so he becomes now more indignified. And so this is what I think. I think it's going to get a little bit weird when you really worship. Now, I grew up in church where everybody thought the same way all the time. They all came from the same background, and they all had the same mindset of what praise and worship did. And so a lot of times, a lot of things that were done were just done because they saw somebody else do it. And because this happened, again, I ain't talking bad about nobody, about my past. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for everything that I learned there. So I'm thankful for all of it. But listen, what I want us to see is what we should do is look at Scripture, see what it looks like, and a picture of praise and worship is where we're giving God everything we have. It's where we're laying everything down before Him. And we get in the mind, and it's like another trick of the enemy, I wonder what they don't think about you. We wonder what they're going to say if you actually take your hands out of your pockets and throw them up a little bit. What... What, what, are, what are they going to say? This is what I'm going to say. They didn't get on the cross and die for you like Jesus did. They didn't lay their life on the line. So quit worrying about they and start worrying about it, focusing on Him, the one who gave everything to you. And He got on the cross and gave His life for us. And so I'm at the place now where it's okay if somebody looks at me a little weird, thinks I'm a little strange, it's okay. They thought the king of Israel was a little bit strange. His own wife talked about it, but you know what he's saying? I'm going to become more indignified than this. So undignified. This actual definition, you know what I mean? Lacking dignity. Now, if you know what dignity means, that really don't mean much to you. Some dignity means this. Dignity means 
that elevated or high rank office or title. You know what he's saying here? He's saying this. I, I could, I'm going to care more and more or less about me and focus more on him. Again, we know David. He didn't get it right all the time. But we see a heart after God here. And he understood this. And, and this, I'm going to be honest, this is one of the areas today that if we're honest, it holds us back more than we want to admit. It holds us back more than we really are truthful to get serious and get real about. And that's our concern and care about what others think about us. I have this conversation with my kids. I have a conversation with kids. I say this stuff all the time, man. Quit worrying about somebody else. Quit making and basing your decisions on them and make your decisions and focus on him. And so we have to see how huge this is. This is powerful. And David understood this, and he knew that God was the only one who truly deserved his praise. And praise does so many powerful things for us. And I want our worship team to come up. And I, as they get ready to get prepared for us to go into it, just a time of worship and praise, I hope you apply today what you've already seen. And as they get ready, just listen to a few things that praise does for us. I, just, I love it. Praise is a weapon for us that sets up ambushes against the enemy. It's a tool that God has given us to encounter Him more in an intimate way. And, and it is a key that unlocks the door to His presence. It's when we worship Him. And so we see this throughout Scripture. See it in Psalms. We, we see it in Psalms 8-2. We see it in 2 Chronicles. He says this, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Do you understand what happens when you get ready to do, do what you're about to do? As they began to sing and praise the Lord, He set up ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. So many, it's like so many times, you're like, man, I, I got to fight this enemy. I got to fight this giant. God's saying, praise me. Let me fight for you. Honor me. Worship me. And watch what I'll do. I'll set up ambushes. And it puts us in the position to experience more of God's presence. And ultimately, that's what all this is about. I want you to stand. And once you stand, I just take a moment and just close your eyes today. And just as, as best you can. Tune everything else out for what I'm getting ready. I said what I'm getting ready to speak into your life right now. In chapter seven, we see where God Himself begins to speak, and He says this. He says, "I want you to make a place for My presence." He says, man, you have this house of cedar, David. You have all these great things, these permanent residents. You have all this stuff. He said, I'm still dwelling in a tent. I'm still mobile. And again, we know that if you were here, that's important. He goes with us everywhere. But he's trying to establish something in chapter 7. He's trying to establish that he's saying this, I want a permanent 
place for my presence and my glory to dwell. And it wasn't about the building itself. We know again that's a picture, and we see we're going to see how that unfolds later. But ultimately, it's about the temple in you. Amen, Bill. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God? and You're not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. They're His. You know what He's saying? That level, the next level of glory, that next level of place that you want to go to, where does that happen? It's in you. Man, we're preaching and talking about man changing the world, making Jesus known out there. You know how that works? Not, a, not this temple, not this building, not this place we come and dwell on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's a temple that's in you. It's the one that's inside of your life that you're taking out to your work, your family, your life. And that glory is what's changing the circumstances, the situation around you. If you get this revelation, man, you can walk up in your house and like David, man, change the atmosphere. You can, you can, you can move forth and not let the circumstance, the situation control you. Listen, you'll change it. So I want to pray over you right now. And I know this has messed with us all the way around today. Every, everything, the whole order and structure. Man, like what, what do we do next? We worship God. We praise Him. We honor Him because He's the only one who's worthy. There's some of you battling some stuff this morning. Some of you are, are battling some enemies. Listen, if you begin to worship and praise God, He'll set up ambushes. And this is a spiritual thing. This is not a physical thing. He's trying to destroy someone in your life, something else. Now listen, He sets up spiritual in your life. Ambushes of the enemy. So God, we want to walk into a place of worship and praise. Honor to You, God. So today, Lord, we want to step into a place, God, where we've become more dignified. We get a little crazy. We do whatever it is, Lord, in, in our hearts and spirits that we surrender everything over to You today, Jesus. And God, I just thank You, Lord, for a church right now who's open to learn and open to find out what You have to say, God, and Lord, who's open for Your Word. So God, we want to apply today what we've heard in Scripture. We want to experience You during this time of worship. We don't want to just do something to just kind of sing a song. God. We want to experience You. We want to give You the worship You deserve, honor and desire that you, You're worthy of, Lord. We give You thanks for that right now. This is heads about, eyes still closed. There's, there's so many times that as pastors and churches, we kind of get in this mode to where we're like, man, what can we do to kind of make people feel more comfortable in church? And kind of that mindset... Man, honestly, is that really representative of following Jesus? Comfort? Everything's good all the time? No, no. <laughs> so I want this to do this today. We're going to find us a place and just get with God and just worship Him and praise Him. What can you do? And again, I know, man, we all can't physically jump, dance, shout, whatever it may be. We, we, can't, we may not be able to do those things. What can we do for Him? I want to challenge you to do this. I want you to step into a place you've never been with God. 
And this is not about the physical acts of things that happen in this room because what I hope you'll do in this room is this. Quit worrying about anybody else. Quit looking at them. Don't look to see what, how anybody else is going to respond to this. How today will you respond to His Word? How will you respond to who He is? So I want you today to make the choice and decision to worship God. We didn't even set up the songs to kind of go with this flow or we need this kind of stuff. They, uh, when, when the team, I told them what I felt God was leading us to do, they're like, well, what, should, what should we do? I just said, whatever you're already doing, because listen, don't base what's going to happen during this time off of what they're singing. Off of what they're saying. Base this off of who He is and what He deserves. <laughs> so right now, I just want you to do this in your mind and your heart today. Just set aside everything else. I want, I want you just to right now for just a moment to just see yourself setting aside your title, setting aside your garment, who you are, things that you have to deal with day in and day out, things that you bring in. Put on your priestly garment where you're about to go into His presence. And each of us today can boldly approach the throne room today because of Jesus. We can go in and counter Him. Wow. God mess with us today. God, let us get out of this whole comfort thing. Let us, let us get a little uncomfortable, a little, little even just to sometimes a little unsure about what to do next, God. Tired of trying to do our thing and get you to fit into it, God. We want to be in the mode of what you're doing. Be in line with what you're doing in our lives, God. This has been a podcast of Pastor Terry Rogers brought to you by Faith Renewed. For more information about us, please visit faithrenewed.org. For questions, feel free to contact us via email at info at faithrenewed.org.